By eliminating vices and having a lot of discipline in my life gives me the ability to have an extreme level of clarity and an extreme level of focus. I'm constantly not distracted. The unspoken work is done creatively in your mind. Welcome back to another episode of Positive AF Podcast. In this episode, I'm talking to Eric Spofford, founder of Spofford Enterprises. Eric talks about his diverse business ventures, which encompass addiction treatment, real estate, and coaching. Eric encountered adversity, got involved in drugs, and struggled with addiction at a young age. His turning point came at 21 years old when he found recovery. He persevered and built successful businesses, even during the recession. This episode delves into his journey, his addiction treatment centers, and the complexities of entrepreneurship. Keep listening for more. All right, welcome to another episode. Today, I have an amazing guest, Eric Spofford. Welcome to the show, Eric. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about who you are and what you do. Um, I, I'm an entrepreneur. I've been a lifelong entrepreneur, and today I do a bunch of different things. I am I have active businesses in the addiction treatment space. Uh, I'm very active in, in several different verticals of real estate, uh, commercial and commercial development, uh, behavioral healthcare, real estate, and then uh, a lot of low-income housing. Uh, and I'm also in the online education space and coaching. And so I've, I've made a business and a hobby out of helping other people find their way. Awesome. You you help uh, a lot of people in various ways. Um, so that's awesome. You're involved in a lot of different things. How did you get started as an entrepreneur? Um, I, You know, it's funny. I, I talk about this a lot where I believe that some entrepreneurs are made and some are born that way. And I think that I was kind of born with this condition of entrepreneurship. And so my childhood was lemonade stands, um, buying stuff, selling stuff, fixing bikes in the neighborhood, and just always had this obsessive thought track of how to wheel a deal and how to make a little bit of money and, and how to put something together. Uh, that, you know, that combined with uh, probably some bad role models and and uh, some bad decision making in my younger years led me down a bad path. And so I started selling drugs and got caught up in uh, in that whole life of selling and doing drugs and became addicted. And I found recovery at 21 years of age, which was uh, back in December of 2006. Uh, got sober and been consistently in recovery and sober since then. Uh, that's 16 years, coming up on 17 now. And then from there, I really, because of my sobriety, it allowed me a, a good foundation of personal development and focus and hustle. And so I got in my 20s really heavy into entrepreneurship with starting my first business in the addiction treatment and recovery space at 23 years old. Uh, also got into real estate, bought my first building at 23 years old. And from there, uh, I scaled all of it. I scaled real estate and I scaled this addiction treatment business that I had uh, throughout my 20s and early 30s. Wow, you that's an amazing story. Thank you for sharing that. And it's it's definitely a blessing to have you um, here and, and come out of that journey for you to share your story and help other people who may be going through the same thing. Um, I appreciate that. What is the name of your addiction treatment center? Is today it's White Light Behavioral Health. Okay. Uh, or actually Treatment X. Treatment White X. Light, yeah, Treatment X is, is the parent company. So we'll go with Treatment X. Uh, but that's that's a newer business that's been in. We've only been accepting patients since New Year's Day of this year of 2023. And so we've been actively in operations for a little more than 10 months mm -hmm. as of today because I actually sold my former business, uh, which was up in New Hampshire. And I exited that and sold it to a private equity backed strategic business in 2021. Got it. Okay. Awesome. Um, so 
I just want to dive deeper into, you know, the the addiction treatment center um, and understand what that looks like and, and how, if anybody is listening who may want to learn more about it, what what it's all about. So um, what is the cost for something like this or what does it look like if someone were to opt into a program like this? Um, typically, uh, it's covered by health insurance. I'd say 90 you know, 7% of our patients that come to us uh, have have a health insurance policy that'll pay for their treatment. Uh, you know, we treat adults, men and women over the age of 18 for a variety of different addiction problems such as alcohol, heroin, you know, other drugs, uh, crystal meth, uh, of course, on the rise and very prominent problem. Uh, and typically they start with us in uh, inpatient treatment. And then we also have outpatient treatment, supportive housing. Mm-hmm. And they come okay. from all over. Yeah. Got it. Um, so you have your own personal journey and it's amazing to see where that has taken you and, and the success that you're seeing now. Um, but also as you were getting started in this space, you really did have to kind of switch your mind to your natural born entrepreneurship cap. Um, was there ever a time that you doubted this business would work? And how did you handle that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the time. Um, you know, entrepreneurship, you have to be tough to be an entrepreneur. You have to have grit. You have to have resilience. Yeah. Uh, you really, really have to be mentally tough because you know, my experience is it's not easy. And so, you know, building a bit or starting a business, putting all your eggs in one basket, going all in on you, betting on you, uh, and then, you know, working your face off to make it work is very challenging. And so there are countless nights that, you know, I had a pit in my stomach, I had anxiety to the point of nausea. I mean, just, just hard, you know, like it, it is business is, is challenging, difficult, and problematic. Um, and so, yeah, there was certainly many times that I had a lot of doubt. I think one of the disciplines of entrepreneurship is never letting them see a sweat. Um, and so, although I may have been absolutely terrified at times in this journey, and, you know, your accounts receivables gets, you know, snagged up, and accounts payables is building up, and you're looking at payroll getting cut at the end of the week and you got to figure this thing out. Um, you know, the leadership behind that of, of just doing the same thing, sticking to the disciplines, sticking to the work ethic, uh, and never letting your, never letting your team, you know, see a sweat, uh, was a large part of it. But yeah, you know, when we started the business, when I started the business, it was 2008, and so it's at really at the beginning of the recession. And so it was a tough time to start a business and grow a business for the first years that we were in operation. It's challenging. Yeah, definitely. Um, I hear you mention a lot about the personal characteristics that you have and that maybe other people can take away as far as what is needed in the blood and veins of an entrepreneur in order to make it. Um, so I want to dig deeper into what, um, you know, those characteristics are that you might have. And so just pull kind of what you think um, will make or break an entrepreneur. What does your typical day look like and how do you make it productive? Um, my day varies a lot. I mean, I move, I travel a lot. I, I, I live in several different locations. And so, you know, the, the day to day might look different, but some things are always the same. Um, an early wake up, good time management. I think, you know, when you think of time, I think of it as a commodity similar to money, right? You spend time, you spend money. And if, you know, you, the most proficient businesses, households, or people all operate on a budget. And so I budget my time accordingly. And so I know, I typically know where I'm going to be and what I'm going to be doing down to the minute throughout the day with some space uh, blocked off for time to catch up on phone calls, text, emails, 
drink a coffee, whatever. Um, so a lot of time management, you know, um, it, the, the, the sobriety piece of it, it all kind of ticks and ties together, right? By eliminating vices and, and having a lot of discipline in my life, right? Like I, I eat pretty good. I work out every day. I have a clear mind. I, I don't drink alcohol. I don't use any mind altering substances, which, you know, that's not for everybody. But for me, my experience with it is it gives me the ability to have an extreme level of clarity and an extreme level of focus. And so, you know, I'm constantly not distracted and and I'm able to be working where a lot of entrepreneurship, when you're the number one in a business or you're the leader, you're the pioneer, you're the visionary, a lot of that work happens in the day-to-day -day execution and the hand-to-hand -hand combat of meetings and calls and Zooms and speaking engagements and reports and, you know, and all of those things. But But the unspoken work is done creatively in your mind like everything that happens in a business has to be thought first and so when you're the entrepreneur you're the ceo like i said the visionary having that framework of discipline um built on top for me a foundation of sobriety which just happens to be how my life has worked out because i'm in recovery and need to be sober has worked out extraordinarily well Wow. Yeah, I see that you've um, provided us with a lot of a lot of golden nuggets and and pieces of advice there. Um, what is some advice that you would give your your younger self? Um, advice that I would give my younger self. It's a really good question. You know, I, I, I feel like for me. I got sober when I was 21 years old. And so prior to 21. I'd have a lot of advice to give myself uh, a lot. You know, I was making a lot of bad decisions. I was doing bad things. I was using bad substances. I was hanging out with bad people. So I was certainly primed for uh, giving a lot of advice. After after getting sober, um, you know, I was really on the right track. I was I was tunnel vision and obsessive. The same way I was obsessive over doing drugs and drinking alcohol and you know, living a, a not so great life. I took that same addiction and that same obsessive thought pattern and applied it to good things. And so, you know, just knowing that that this is about the long game and and that everything that I was doing that I thought would pay off, but didn't have any certainty that it would. That you know, maybe some reassurance that no, absolutely, it's going to pay off, and just keep the faith and 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 keep doing the right thing because i think a lot of that early on as a 21 year old get you know not drinking you think about it i was only legally able to drink at a bar for 10 months before i gave up alcohol for the rest of my life and there comes a lot a little bit of doubt with that like am i missing out should i be enjoying my 20s should i be going to those parties should i did I did I make too serious of a decision by going sober and staying that way? And so when I think about that, you know, maybe speaking to that young man in terms of like, no, that doubt's just in your head. Like, it's going to be worth it. Because fast forward, I'm 38, and I've been able to enjoy an extreme amount of success in my life as a result of all the sacrifice that I put in at that time. And when I put in that sacrifice, there was no guarantee that it would work out. Right. No, I, I do hear you on that. Um, I, I, I also understand the dilemma that you had um, as a younger person. Just, you know, are you missing out? And that's something, you know, I speak to a lot of entrepreneurs on my show. And um, I would say at least half of them are you know, in their early 20s and reaching high levels of success. But one thing that I do notice across the board that they all mention about their habits is they have had to make some early serious sacrifices in, in um, you know, 
respective to what their peers may have been or may be doing at that point, which means getting up early, um, not giving into certain uh, vices that their peers are, are, you know, doing, um, not drinking, not going to these parties. But, um, you know, from what I hear and what I see, it definitely has paid off for pretty much every entrepreneur that I've spoken to that has made those disciplined decisions so absolutely um, yeah um so talking more about the mindset and you said you know you made these decisions and you weren't so sure about it uh at that point in time but today you can absolutely see and reap the benefits of those harder decisions you had to make and how it allows you to really zero in on the sharpness of your mental focus um, so speaking to that mental mindset, how do you bring your ideas to life? Do you have some kind of process for that? Yeah, I actually do. Uh, I typically have, you know, some, some grandiose vision or idea or project or thing that we want to do or business we want to start. And it always starts on a whiteboard. Uh, I don't know why, but there's something magical about a whiteboard and a pack of markers. And I will just sit there and I will kind of lay out the whatever it is, right? Whatever the vision is, whatever the business that we want to start, whatever the new project within one of our businesses is, the expansion. And then I'll start to just scratch out every detail, every idea. And for, for some reason, for me, and I think this is helpful for a lot of people, Getting it out of my head and getting it onto that whiteboard and breaking it all down and kind of getting it all in one place uh, is it just it, it kind of takes the chaos out of my thoughts and I'm able to see it in front of me. And then the process that I do, I call it reverse engineering. And so I'll have, OK, this is what I want to accomplish. This is the vision. And so it's about first getting crystal clear on what that vision is in excruciating detail. I want to start a business. Okay, well, what's the business do? And how many employees does the business have? And how are we going to sell it? And how much money is it going to have in top line sales? And what does margin look like? So how much profit are we going to have? And by when? How much by when? At three months, where are we going to be? At six months, at nine months, at 12, at 18, at 24, at 36. And I start to imagine this thing in just painstaking detail. And then I go, okay, well, in order to get there, once I have a kind of a, a picture, a mosaic of what the vision is, I'll go, okay, well, what happens? What needs to happen before we get there? And what needs to happen before that and what needs to happen before that and before that and before that and before that. And as you work through it, you start to you start to develop this process, this step by step game plan as you walk yourself backwards into inevitably what needs to happen first. What's the next step? And so I start kind of all the way down where the target is and then I work my way backwards and in that process, I identify all the different steps that it's going to take to get me from here to there and, and, and boiling it down to, okay, well, what's the first step? What's the second step? And then, and then taking it off of the whiteboard, off of the business plan, and then moving it, because a lot of people get stuck there. It's moving it from that and then and then having a, a extreme level of execution, a very high level of urgency, self-inflicted urgency, uh, and just moving very quickly to accomplish it. I, I feel like that was extremely well said. Um, so you start with the big picture and you get that really focused and specific and then you work your way back being extremely granular and almost sequential in how you can achieve that end goal i love it yeah absolutely nice okay um let me throw you a curveball here um tell us something that is true to you that almost nobody agrees with you on 
God, true to me that almost nobody agrees with me on. I don't, I don't know that I have anything that matches that description. I mean, okay, let me let me rephrase. Maybe please. something that is true to you, but maybe challenges the status quo or what the mass majority might think. You know, for me, it's it's about sobriety. Um, I, I think that that my lifestyle of sobriety and and my kind of evangelical nature of how much I believe in it. I I, I coined the phrase and get quoted often of calling sobriety a superpower. I believe that's polarizing, right? Of course, there are a lot of people that that subscribe to to a sober lifestyle. Uh, for a variety of reasons, they need to, they want to, they have to, they just like it better, they see the benefits, whatever. Um, but it is certainly, and I don't mean it to be polarizing, I, you know. I, but it, it is, and so you know, you you rub people the wrong way that have recreational relationships with marijuana, with with alcohol, and and all of those things, and and I don't mean to. Uh, you know, I certainly have love for all people and acceptance and, 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 you know, don't judge people for how they live their lives whatsoever. I think at the end of the day, I, I just, I like questions. And so my questions are this is one, is it working for you? Is, is, are you, are you achieving your vision, your dreams and your goals? Right. That little, that quiet whisper inside of your heart like the things that you want to accomplish in life is how you're executing in your day to day aligned with accomplishing those things and making the most out of this life and fulfilling your purpose. If you can answer that yes with or without alcohol or with or without marijuana, whatever, then God bless if it's working for you and, and you're in alignment, um, then, then that's great. I think that, People focus too heavily on comfort, on how they feel, on happiness, uh, which I think gets mixed up and entangled. And, and instead of instead of asking, are you happy? Uh, I really like to ask people that question and then marry it to, are you proud of you? Are you living a life that you're proud of? Are you living days that you're proud of? Like when you get, when you brush your teeth and you wind down for the night and it's just you and the pillow and you look back and reflect on the day that you lived, are you proud of it? If the answer is yes, great. You know, whatever that looks like for you. Uh, if the answer is no, then you are out of congruence with your conscience. And I think this is, this is a, a major problem for a lot of people. I think this one very thing and the entitlement uh, mindset of people think that they should be able to live and act and behave however they want to, uh, despite being out of alignment with their, their vision and their goals for their life, which I believe are God-given, and being outside of the congruency of their conscience, uh, you know, I think that causes a lot of problems with the human condition, depression, anxiety, uh, things like that. And so, you know, I, I think that talk track can make people uncomfortable because it, it certainly illuminates a lot of shortcomings in people. When you, when you walk them through all of that, almost all people are like, well, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm not eating the diet that I should be eating. You know, I'm not in the body that I'm I'm happy with when I get when I strip down and stand in front of the mirror. I my my self critique myself, right? And um, you know, just whatever it is, I'm I'm you know in an unhealthy relationship or you know just everybody has something. And so living in in not that people disagree with me, but just living in in a, a, a an environment of truth. And carrying, you know, a stick of truth with kindness, but but a high level of accountability. Because for the people in my world I, and the people that I interact with, I care far more about your success. I care far more about the life that you're living than I actually care about how you feel. And so that that often can, I don't know, 
rub people. I, I don't want to say rub people the wrong way, but but cause cyber healing. Yeah, it can. Yeah, it it definitely shines a light and it makes people vulnerable because if they don't have to or they're not conditioned to question their actions and the root <laughs> of their actions, then you know, then it, when somebody is gonna call them out, so to speak. Um, or even just question what's going on. That's definitely an uncomfortable topic. Yeah, it, it's an uncomfortable topic. But then, when you even boil it down further, when you're living in that truth, right? When you're when you're living your purpose, when you're you're in touch with who and what you're supposed to be, and and all those things. I use this as an example. Do you know how many in the last almost 17 years? Do you know how many thousands of people have? tried to justify their drinking or drug use to me when I, I never even, imagine. when I, when I, when I never even asked, Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, Eric, I drink and I do it recreationally and I only do it on the weekend and I only bubble. Okay, bud. Like, that's cool. I, I didn't ask you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're it's, telling me more about it, yourself. Yeah. And it's, it, it, and it's funny that what I've, what I've come to know over the years in like using that as an example well why do they do that because my presence in in how i'm living in my own truth has become a mirror that you see yourself in yeah you see your shortcomings in 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 me my my you see what i'm saying and so it's it's that whole thing that's that's interesting that when when you're in congruence with your conscience and you're aligned with your your vision and your beliefs and your truth, and you're living a stacking days and weeks and months and years that you're proud of, and the results are are there, right? They're they're tangible and visible. That can be polarizing to other people because they see their shortcomings in you. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um. I, I think it's interesting, the perspective, because for one, I live here in Las Vegas. Drinking is part of the culture. <laughs> it is embedded yeah, in the lifeblood of the city. Hey, but, listen, I live in Miami. It's not much better. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Miami, too. So um, my point, though, is I am starting to see this contrast of maybe like folks in my generation. I'm 27. So uh becoming more aware of what substances that they're putting in their body how they live you know how they're living their life holistically mm -hmm. um uh, and i'm finding that more and more of my peers just over time are becoming sober and um i, I love to never see it. thought yeah it, it was such a different mindset for me because you know even when i would go out and party I would just not think about my actions and, oh, I'm just doing it because everybody else is doing it. I'm drinking because somebody else has a drink in their hand and it would be awkward, it, awkward if I didn't. But having peers at these social functions that are not drinking and, um, you know, by choice because of the conscious decision makes it easier for me to consciously, you know, reflect on why am I doing this? Am I going to take a drink or not? And I, I definitely see more of that happening, at least in my circle, in my network. Yeah, absolutely. And and I have noticed that it's becoming more popular. I think that social media and access to information and access to visibility to other people has helped a lot because it's helped start a lot of trends. Yeah. You know, when I was when I was in my 20s, I didn't know really anyone like sobriety was not a popular thing at all uh and so what you're describing i fully recognize and see and see it as kind of a trend uh but that's newer but i do love to see it yeah yeah awesome um all right cool let's switch gears a little bit again and we're gonna talk more about the uh marketing side and you know some some trends of more like strategic things that you have buckled down in your business. So I want to talk about uh, what is one marketing strategy that you're using that works really well to generate new business? 
Uh, right now, Facebook and Instagram ads uh, and digital marketing has been a, a big focus of this year. You know, in my, my coaching program and my online education stuff where I do several different things, um, I have a, a core product that's about personal development and mindset. Uh, and that a coaching group. And then I have uh, products of teaching real estate, specifically low income section eight real estate uh, and how to win in the real estate vertical at a very challenging time because of interest rates, and real estate prices, uh, how to win in real estate and then also have a, a high level mentorship and coaching mastermind group for specifically business owners and entrepreneurs. Uh, really hammering down on digital marketing, Facebook, Instagram, creative, uh, ad copy, funnels. Uh, that has been very exciting for me this year, and we've done very well uh, with it. I think you're maybe the third uh, business owner in a row that I've interviewed that have said pretty much the same thing, Facebook, Instagram ads. So it must be working. <laughs> It, it certainly is. I mean, you know, when you think about uh, attention as a commodity, right? Where where are the eyeballs? How do you sell? Well, you have to put eyeballs on it. You know, if you just go out in the city and walk around and look at where, you know, over people's shoulders while they're standing around and at the restaurant table and at the bus stop and, you know, whatever they're doing, they're all on social media. That's where we spend our time. Um, uh, you know, I spend more time than I'm proud of probably on, on these platforms. And so that's where the eyeballs are. And then figuring out the science uh, and the math behind moving from the creative uh, of the video, of the picture, and of the ad copy and dialing that down to specific key performance indicators of, you know, cost per click, cost per lead, cost per conversion, uh, cost per sale, all these different things, has it's just been uh, really, really interesting for me, uh, and and we've found a lot of success with it. Awesome. Um, aside from that, what is one piece of software, or maybe it could be a web service that helps you to be productive? How do you use it? Um, here's a fun fact about me. <laughs> I actually don't use much at all. I mean, typically Zoom and Microsoft Teams are about the only thing I turn a computer on for. Okay. Uh, and I, this people are surprised at this when they learn this, but I've, I've strictly operated off a cell phone since I started in business. And so although my teams and my people have a lot of different softwares and, and a lot of different things from, you know, the electronic medical record system, which we use at the healthcare facilities, to using Salesforce uh, for the front of the house, to, to all those different things. I personally have never even logged into a single one of them. Uh, so I've, I know, kind of rain manish, but uh, I, I operate off a cell phone and, and keep it pretty simple. Yeah, that sounds efficient too. Yes. You know, if you can do everything from your cell phone, that sounds really good. You're mobile. You can, you know, you travel a lot, as far as you told me. So that sounds like pure efficiency. Yeah, that's it. Um, what is one failure that you've had as an entrepreneur, and how did you overcome it? Uh, what is one failure that I've had as an entrepreneur? I think the largest learning curve to to being an entrepreneur was getting good at people. You know, the composition of businesses are people. It's people and technology and systems and processes and products. And so, you know, I remember 2008, maybe 2009, hiring my first employee. And now, you know, all these years later in 2023, 15 years later, I've had thousands and thousands of people work uh, in my companies and in businesses that I've, I've built and owned and managed. And so the biggest learning curve where I've probably had the most mistakes and, and learning lessons and, and things of that nature has been in developing my ability to, to recruit, 
to onboard, to train, to manage, uh, and oversee people successfully, uh, which, you know, there's not, there's no school for that. A lot of that has to come with experience. And so I learned that, you know, in the field and going from hiring my first employee to building businesses and, and, and placing top tier leaders, top tier executives, people that, you know, don't need a lot of oversight and building businesses in the true sense that they can run themselves without me because the leadership team and the talent pool is so good. And so, you know, moving from the beginning of that to my current skill set, which still plenty of room to learn, but I've come a long way, has probably been the most challenging, but also the most rewarding thing that I've done in business. Okay, that's a good segue into my next question, because I was going to ask, what has been your most satisfying moment in business? You know, the businesses that I've... That it's a long compilation of of satisfying moments um, because the businesses that I've I've been involved in are all service oriented uh, and in in their own particular way of a helping profession, right? So when you look at what that means, that's my addiction treatment and recovery businesses are helping people that suffer from substance use disorder, whether that's alcohol or drugs, get sober, change their lives. You know, are those businesses easy? Absolutely not. I mean, addiction and alcoholism is now the leading cause of accidental loss of life in America. I think it was four or five years ago that surpassed car accidents. You are more likely statistically as one of 330 million Americans to die of an overdose in America today than you are to die of a car accident. We're at the front and center of that. It's not easy. But when you get to see people find recovery, find sobriety, and and then you get to see the fruits of that come true, you get to see the, the seeds that you planted start to bear fruit, it's it's unbelievable it, you know it's you watch men and women become moms and dads to their children again you see relationships restored you see people go back to a productive way of life you see people that have had some of the most horrific traumatizing lives that, so i mean every worst story you could possibly think of over my career i have seen and I've seen all of those people overcome their addiction, overcome their trauma, and recreate themselves and go on to live lives that make sense and are miraculous. That is the coolest stuff. And then equally, you know, in our in our real estate portfolio, right, our heaviest concentration of real estate is low-income Section 8 uh, real estate. And so we're providing quality housing to uh people that need help right and so you have single parents raising kids working hard that just need a shot and need a leg up you know need some help and we're able to provide quality housing to them we have elderly we have disabled people with disabilities uh and and you know that is really feel good and then kind of on my third vertical of business in the coaching and mentorship uh, and education space, just watching people, being able to add value. That's really what that's about is, is teaching and adding value to people's lives and watching them take the direction and take the information and start to execute upon it and go out and crush it, right? Like I have Section 8 students that came to me that knew nothing about real estate. And now they have hundreds of Section 8 units. They've quit their job. They're printing money. It's changed their family's life, changed their kids' lives. That's all the stuff that, that really gets me going that, that I continue to do this for. Wow. So, yeah, in, in all the facets of what you're involved in, there's definitely that challenging hard part, but equally, if not tenfold, as rewarding. Uh, compared to the challenge itself. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so can you tell me what 
would be the toughest decision that you've made maybe recently or in the last few months and, and how you overcame that? Um, toughest decision that I've made recently in the last few months. Um, you know, every day running organizations like I do, um, Sitting kind of in the command center, you have to you have to tie real world implications to the decisions that you make, and so there's there's been a lot of them. Most of them again are, are have to do with people, um, and so making decisions on you know performance issues, HR issues with people in the business, you know people that we have to terminate, unfortunately. Uh, you know, we have a lot of human beings that work here and most of them are successful, but occasionally you have folks that, that aren't cutting it for a variety of reasons. And, and so it's always a heavy decision to have the final say on, yes, we need to terminate this person. They're, they're no longer for the company. Cause then, you know, you think about the implications. These people have bills to pay. They have families, children, spouses, real life stuff. Um, this isn't a video game. And so every decision you make has a ripple effect to it. And so those are some of the tougher, harder decisions that, that come with the job. Right. Right. Okay. Um, we're actually starting to wind into the end portion of the interview here. So I just have some final kind of rapid fire questions for you. Um, sure. First question, what is the best $100 you spent? What was it and why was it the best? The best $100 I've spent. God, I don't know. You know, I'll tell you, you know, I, I, I carry around a, a pocket full of cash. Not a crazy amount, but I always have cash on me and I typically have a fold with $100 bills. Uh, and the best hundred dollars that I spend because I've been so blessed and so fortunate to be able to do this is I love giving it to, you know, the doorman, the ballet, um, you know, whatever people that are, are their jobs are to be helpful, uh, that I come in contact with. That's really why I carry cash is to be able to hand them a hundred. And, you know, it, it's, I've made a lot of money. I've been very successful financially and, the benefit of being able to to hand them the hundred and have them look down and see it and, and light up a little bit that that always uh, I like that brings me a lot of joy. Yeah, definitely, I can see that. Like just seeing the expression on someone's face and seeing how that changes their day. Awesome. That's it. Um, next question: What is one business idea that you're willing to give away for free right now? What is one business? What say that again? Uh, one business idea that you're willing to give away to listeners right now. I don't know if I have a specific business idea, but I think the right way to think about business in today's economy and climate is find what people need, and don't look to create your own market. Right? You should go and look at at markets that already have a high demand. Um, you know, and 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 then satisfy a need there. An example of that is it's not hard to sell hot dogs if you're the only hot dog stand outside of the baseball game that's getting out at 10 p.m. Right, you yeah. Know? And so find yeah, find something that has a pre-existing need and then go be the best at it. And I love, I love me some of those hot dogs right outside of the baseball game. I, I do too. <laughs> All right. Um, what is the one book that you recommend people should read, and why? Oh, what is the one book that I, I recommend? I, I, you know, I'm a reader. I, I am constantly and have been for the last 16 years reading multiple books at the same time. Um, and so I don't, I don't know that I can dial it down to, to one book and one recommendation. What I will say is that I read and, and highly recommend people do this. I think it has been integral to my success. I dropped out of the high school at 50, I dropped out of high school at 15 years old and never continued on with any formal education. 
Um, and so with no GED and never stepping forth, uh, stepping back into any organized uh, education of any type in academia, I went on to build businesses and build a net worth of nine figures. I, I fully and wholly attribute that to a couple things. My ability to learn, develop, learning how to learn, right? Self-education and then actually going and doing it. And so I have constantly been reading books that are, are nonfiction, one uh, in fit typically into one of two verticals. One is personal development. How do I continue to evolve? How do I continue to get better? Because I, I fully uh, am committed to the belief that that each individual person's success is going to be limited by their 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 own personal development, right? And so you have if you want to do better, you have to become better. And so I'm constantly reading, you know, whatever books are on personal development that could be anything from spirituality to fitness and everything in between. And then second to that, I'm constantly reading um, skill set books, like a, a, being able to go out and be a student and have the humility to learn and and master a new skill. And so we talked about earlier, you asked me about, you know, I forget advertising or something and marketing. And we were talking about Facebook and Instagram. Like right now I just finished a uh, hundred million dollar offer by Alex Ramosi, uh, my friend Alex, great guy, and going on and started his second book that he just released right now, hundred million dollars. Amazing literature. He's an expert in the space of digital marketing. He's done an unbelievable job with it, and uh, and so you know it directly ties into what I'm doing and what's important in being able to scale and grow. You know, one of my portfolio of businesses. You are the second person to mention that book specifically on this show. Um, so it's definitely definitely worth the read. Um, fantastic. Um, all right. What is your favorite quote? And if you know who said it, um, I would like to know that too. <laughs> My favorite quote is, God, I have so many of them. Um, the truth without kindness is cruelty. And there's a lot of practical, you know, kind of tying into a lot of the things that I spoke about earlier about playing a, a teacher type role in people's lives, whether that's in the addiction recovery and sobriety space uh, or business coaching, mentoring, et cetera, or even just management of people. Uh, you know, within the organizations that, that truth, we owe people the truth, right? And I think that it's, that it's disrespectful to not give people the truth. But the truth without kindness is cruelty. And so it really embodies two, two philosophies and two principles that I believe in heavily, uh, which is truth and kindness. And, and marrying them together. And I think that is um, is key to, to mastering in order to be as helpful as you can. Uh, that came from a gentleman named Don Pritz. Don was a, uh, a legendary member of Alcoholics Anonymous. He got sober in a Colorado prison uh, in the early 1960s, and he lived sober and helped hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions, all around the world to find sobriety and recovery uh, until he died in 2005. And he left a hell of a legacy behind. His legacy continues to help many people that never even knew him. That's beautiful. I, I have never heard that quote before, but it actually makes a lot of sense. I don't think I really thought about putting you know, as obvious as it sounds when you say it, you know, kind of, yeah, I never put the two together. So the truth and it needing to be presented in a kind way, if not, that's cruelty. I mean, it just yeah. makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think another one, um, and I, I don't remember who said it, it might have been Eleanor Roosevelt, but I could be making that up. Uh, but I certainly think it applies in a very similar way, which is, 
they won't uh, they won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's you know it's very practical in in your ability to touch somebody or reach somebody and be helpful to them is establishing the rapport of of love and trust. Uh, and then, then you can apply your skill set and your knowledge. But until you have that rapport, sometimes it can be challenging. Absolutely. Okay. Um, let's see. So we're now just down to the final piece of this. Um, what does the future hold for you and your businesses? What are you most excited about? Oh God! Uh, every every day is exciting, right? We're we're growing in our in our our recovery business and helping more people every day. Um, that's exciting. Uh, you know, our real estate is growing, and of course, our our coaching and uh, mastermind stuff is growing every day. And so, it's exciting across all three verticals. And being able to to move from take one hat off to put the other one on and move in between those spaces all day long is a lot of fun all right um leave us with three key points that you want people to walk away remembering from hearing this episode or reading the article that's going to come out after this what are the three main points that you want people to take away the best mentor that you have is your own conscience People spend a lot of time out there looking for answers when they already have them. If you just spend time in quiet and listen and listen to your conscience and listen to, to you know, your internal voice and then take action and get in alignment with that, it's called conscience congruency. Um, work ethic beats talent. So it, it doesn't really matter whether you have a, a Harvard education or Ivy League or, or whatever. If you're willing to outwork everybody and put the pressure on them and keep it there, it, it will be talent and education every single time. Uh, talent and education don't amount to much without work ethic uh, and discipline, right? It's, you know, foregoing the work ethic and the obsession and the discipline of the framework of what it takes to win and be successful. You know, I, I really try to hone in on that as much as possible of building the disciplines that are the foundation of success for people, whatever that means for you. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, Eric, you have been amazing. I want to make sure if anyone wants to reach you or contact you for your coaching services um, or mentorship, they know how to find you. How should someone contact you? In Instagram is my most active platform, and that's just at Eric Spofford, E-R-I-C-S-P-O-F-F-O-R-D. You can find me there. Thank you so much for lending me your time today. If you found a moment of Zen through this episode, I kindly ask that you leave a review on iTunes so that this message might reach more people. For daily positivity and to join a community of awesome humans, follow us on Instagram at ThePositiveAF.